You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, in a situation like this, it could be game day. Um, we're going to do everything we can to get other guys ready. Uh, he's going to do everything he can to get healthy and um, learn the game plan. And I imagine we won't be able to make a final decision until probably Saturday. I'm ready. You know, I prepared all week, and uh, I'm confident. And, uh, you know, the coach has done everything to put me in a good position um, to go win the game so or to do my part. So I'm ready. Bunchy, when he's gotten his opportunities, has done a great job. And in fact, I, I was really pleased with how he performed when he came in. Quite frankly, threw a ball that probably should have put the game away for us if we if we get a first down on the on the throw that he made. We're not going to change because of who he is. We'll try to alter it a little to make sure that he's comfortable with what we have in. But uh, there's not going to be wholesale changes. He knows our stuff, and and he's done a good job running. He knows what to do. He knows this offense. He knows what's expected of him. He's a sharp guy. Uh, he can beat you with his legs. He's got a good enough arm as well. So we're excited. You know, he, he's one of those guys that he's going to prepare his butt off. And, and if his number's called, he's going to be ready to go. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as all signs point to walk on Andrew Bunch. Um, being the starting quarterback this week for Nebraska against Troy. Adrian Martinez, as you know, left the game last week with a knee injury against Colorado. Nebraska received good news this week. The injury was not a significant one, but still maybe one that they want to rest him for. Um, his practice, uh, at least the first three days of the week on the main days, uh, he did not go at all. Andrew Bunch has taken all the number one reps and it's put him in a unique position. There haven't been a lot of walk-on quarterback starters in history at Nebraska. There's been some recently, though, Riker Fife. Uh, started over two seasons. You had Ron Kellogg. Then you had to go all the way back to Monte Cristo in 1998 and maybe the most famous one of them all, Matt Turman. And, you know, Andrew Bunch is from Tennessee, but he's got a lot of Husker blood inside of him. His dad was a walk-on, played at Omaha South at Dave Remington and Nebraska, grew up a Husker fan. So this is a kid that Nebraska football is important to him. It means something to him. He kind of gambled on himself to walk on here out of Scottsdale Community College. And here we go. He may get his chance. It looks like he'll get his chance here on Saturday against Troy. Well, even going back to the spring, uh, every time you would ask Andrew Bunch about just you know the quarterback competition and where he felt he fit in uh, in the grand scheme of things, his approach was always, I'm preparing to be the starter. And that never changed from the day he arrived here to now when he potentially very well could be the starting quarterback against Troy on Saturday. And so I think that level-headed uh, kind of consistency is what separates him from a lot of other young guys with that level of inexperience. Swag. Yeah, I mean, he's, he definitely has a confidence to him. You ask him about it, he has no interest in saying, oh, I'm just you know, walk on. happy to be here. I'm going to try my hardest. No, he's coming in here to win the job and be successful uh, in doing it. And so uh, you know, there's raves, rave reviews about him this off all offseason, especially back in the spring and even into fall camp. For a reason. I think he's a good quarterback. He was a three-star recruit coming out of high school. Ran so a 4 5 40. It's not like he's just some dude they picked up at the wreck or something like that. I mean, he's a good football player. And he was put in a very tough situation against Colorado. And if J.D. Spielman catches that third and long pass, he probably leads the game-winning drive, and we're having a completely different conversation about where Nebraska is right now. And so I think he's more than capable of leading Nebraska to a victory this week against Troy while also allowing Adrian Martinez another week to recover that knee and be ready in time for the start of Big Ten play. 
Yeah, I think his confidence is, is definitely something that, that comes through just from talking with him. Um, you know, he's confident in himself, and, and his teammates are confident in him as well. And, and I think that's why it came as no surprise to, to see him come completely cold off the bench last week and, and be able to, to move the, the ball down the football field. And like you said, J.D. Spielman catches that football. Um, you know, this, this whole week may be quite a bit different than, than what, it, what it has been. So, um, you know, I, I do think we're going to see a heavy dose of him. And, um, and, and trust me, they're not going to be changing the playbook just because Andrew Bunch is in there. I, I think that, um, you know, everyone from Troy Walters to, to Mario Verdusco, everyone kind of said that, hey, look, uh, Andrew Bunch can throw the football, but he can run too. So, I mean, that's – I think we're going to see a heavy dose of Andrew Bunch carrying the football too this weekend. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as we get you ready for Saturday's 11 a.m. game. Nebraska and Troy get down here early. 11 a.m. always brings the, the biggest rush of traffic here as people are trying to get into the stadium uh, to make kickoff here on Saturday. But you, you look at it, guys, I think the game plan to me is going to be simple this week. Uh, I, I think Nebraska is going to enforce their will, use their physicality, use their depth at running back. As we saw last week, Greg Bell had 34 snaps, Devino Zigbo had 33, and Maurice Washington played 20. So they really worked it around well with three backs. If they could just finish some blocking on the perimeter, on the edge, um, I, I just like how this matchup shapes up where Nebraska, to me, is going to, I hate to use this word, but have the game manager tag on Andrew Bunch where they're, they're not going to make him win the game and they're just going to ask him to do the right things. And if he can execute those things, um, they should have a very good chance to win even without Adrian Martinez. Well, that's got to be the plan. I mean, as, as you know, optimistic as people are about Andrew Bunch being able to pick up where Adrian left off, uh, you don't want to put the entire offense solely on his shoulders. And uh, talking with Greg Austin, that is the mindset of the offensive line this week. Uh, you know, it is the year number one priority. It is every week, but especially with the uncertainty at quarterback to put the game on their backs. Uh, they know that they can make everyone on that offense's life so much easier if they go out and do their job, push Troy around, dominate the line of scrimmage, uh, create a steady and consistent running game, and protect the quarterback in the pocket. If they can do those things, uh, it doesn't matter who's back there. They're going to have success with the number of weapons Nebraska has at the skill positions. Uh, but it starts up front, and that's where I think Nebraska has an advantage. Troy's going to throw a lot of different looks, a lot of pre-snap movements, uh, different fronts, and you know, blitz disguises. Uh, so identifying uh, things pre-snap is going to be important. Uh, the communication on the offensive line has to get better, but they're going to be significantly bigger, significantly stronger, and should be able to have a pretty big advantage in the trenches. Nate, we haven't even talked about this because we're so focused on this this week's game, but man, how good was Adrian Martinez last week? I mean, yeah, you'd like to hopefully see him play Saturday. I mean, we all think it's probably not going to be him, but uh, hopefully he's back by Michigan is kind of the thought process, but Holy smokes. I mean, he was so impressive in his first collegiate game. And uh, I mean, I, I read a lot of Iowa fan comments and other Big Ten fan base comments not looking forward to seeing Adrian Martinez for the next four years. No, if that's your first performance as a true freshman, um, you know, on the big stage and not against some cupcake team, too. I mean, this is I mean, Colorado's a, a really good team. Uh, I mean, they're they're a legit opponent. It's not. Um, you know, they're an eight nine win team, yeah, probably. Yeah, exactly. So uh, for for what he did, um, you know, he had a couple of freshman moments, but for the most part, 
I, I think you, you saw a glimpse of, of what's to come, and, and that is an exciting football player that can throw and run um, and, and do all sorts of things. And uh, to me, that was one big question that I had going into that game. Okay, is, this, is the moment going to be too big for him? Uh, you know, he hasn't played since he was, what, 16 years old, since he was a junior in, in high school? Um, and, and nope, it wasn't. He, he went right out there, and, and he operated things uh, very smooth. Obviously, you know, some things to clean up, but for your first performance, in Memorial Stadium uh, against a legit opponent, that was about as good as you could have hoped for. The play where he spun and broke the tackle and then threw across his body, that was, to me, the most impressive play because he took away what should have been a six, seven-yard loss and turned it in. Was it a touchdown? or No, it was a first down. A first, first down. down yeah. uh, that passed a Raftall, right? Yeah. Or, but then it was, it was crazy. The third and 17 throw to Mike Williams, too. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that was a major league throw. Yep. Uh, for a guy in that situation down 14 to nothing, third and 17. I mean, you, if you don't get that throw, you could be down 21 nothing at that point. So, that, I mean, he made some wow-type moments that we may not get to see him here this weekend, but I'm looking forward to seeing him in Ann Arbor if that's the case. Well, his poise in the pocket stood up as much as anything. Being able to stand in there with the rush collapsing around him and make those types of throws in high-pressure situations, most true freshmen do not have that ability. All right, we're going to talk more about the offense and what to look for and uh, other guys that stood out here next as uh, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And then it comes down to just being physical and, and finishing blocks. Uh, it's going to start up front with the offensive line, with a young quarterback, whether it's Adrian or, or a bunch. You know, we, we got to be able to run the ball and establish the line of scrimmage. And so the offensive line, they understand that once again, uh, you know, we're, we're counting on them to, to dominate up front. Ball security is an emphasis, and that's something we have to make sure we do a better job of. But yeah, but we do things in practice to help with our ball security. Like we have some drills and stuff that we go through. But yeah, it's just, it all just depends on who you are. Some people, it's easier. It works better to forget about it, but for me, I kind of, you know, keep it with me just to make sure it doesn't happen again. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. This segment of the show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill uh, with five locations in Omaha, one here in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's to watch the game, get in on after the game, uh, get dinner. Uh, all the NFL action will be at any one of the six Nebraska Tanner's locations uh, and they are a proud sponsor here of the Husker Online Show. As uh, we move on, guys, uh, talking offensive storylines, you heard Greg. I'm sorry, you heard uh, Troy Walters and then Divino Zigbo. Um, and you know the big thing to me is finishing runs this week. There were a lot of just missed opportunities in that game against Colorado. Whether it was a block on the perimeter, and you know, with our new access to Pro Football Focus, uh, we saw that the receiver blocking grades were very low. A lot of receivers came up short maybe on the perimeter in situations that could have led to huge plays, maybe touchdowns. Greg Bell had an opportunity a couple of times to break free, and he tightened up. Uh, he, he just almost didn't realize. He just got nervous in the moment, according to Ryan Held. He looked like a 95-year-old man trying to run in the way he was kind of short, choppy stepping instead of opening it up like a sprinter. So those are some of the things that are really working on. Ball security, as we know, is a big point of emphasis. But I think finishing runs – um, and making it easier on the offense will be the big point of emphasis here on Saturday. Well, that's such a big part of this offense is the explosive plays, not only for big gains, but for touchdowns. Uh, and, you know, if, if Greg Bell is able to kick that extra gear, which in every ever le- other level of football he's played, uh, that's what he's brought to the table. But for whatever reason, you know, he had those adrenaline drops and uh, just – 
for some reason just couldn't couldn't kick that extra burst. But I think that's part of the first game jitters you see with a lot of new players that uh, are still adjusting this level and I think will be corrected in time. The coaching staff's not worried about it. They have full confidence in Greg Bell and the entire running back room um, as a whole uh, to be that dynamic unit that they think they're capable of being. But uh, I think, Sean, you, you mentioned it, the, the perimeter blocking, I think, was another equally uh, as big of a culprit uh, as far as the lack of explosive plays and you know, just missed blocks on not only some runs, but some bubble screens uh, where Nebraska had plays set up for big gains and possibly touchdowns and just missed blocks. And then plays were blown up for minimal gains. And so uh, it goes across the board. You know, I think the offensive line, you know, as we touched on, did uh, a really good job of setting the tone up front. But for those next level plays to turn good runs into touchdowns, uh, it's got to rely on everybody, not only the running backs to you know find that extra gear, but for their block downfield at the next level to create those you know like I said those blocks that separate big games from touchdowns yeah, the offensive line did do a good job I, I think but they're I mean they would definitely point to the two fourth downs uh, that they failed to convert uh, you know the fourth and one um, that's that's all offensive line uh, for the most part and, and those guys uh, I think are, are taking you know kind of taking that to heart and, and really um, you know, looking to, to improve upon that this week. So I, I do think that for the most part, they played a, a pretty physical game, but uh, they will definitely, I think, be be motivated to pick up those those uh, fourth and shorts or even third and shorts and kind of take it upon themselves to to reestablish the line of scrimmage going forward. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Wash, and Nate Klaus as we talk offensive storylines here. This segment brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill in Omaha and Lincoln and you know, the offensive line only played six guys in that game. Uh, the starting five, obviously, then Bo Wilson came off the bench. You get the sense it's going to be those six. Um, you know, you just don't hear enough about a Matt Sichterman or a Christian Gaylord or even a John Raritan to lead you to believe that they're going to maybe get on that field. I mean, it, it's that group of six right now. I think the biggest question is, has Bo Wilson earned more playing time at right guard? And if that's the case, would they have Tanner Farmer play more center uh, to get Bo Wilson on the field, um, and what are their kind of thoughts of Cole Conrad, at least after week one? Well, Wilson, uh, according to Greg Austin, got in the game but even before Cole Conrad left with that temporary or brief injury. Uh, so, I mean, he was already a big part of that rotation, and they were already set on playing him early and often. So uh, Bo Wilson is right on the cusp, as we all thought that he would be. And uh, according to, to Greg Austin, that he did very well in his you know first real significant game action on the offensive line. And so that does give him the luxury of some depth. Um, you know, obviously we'll, they'll continue to go with Conrad at center, but if for whatever reason, if there's any more injury setbacks uh, to either Conrad or Farmer, Bo Wilson, they're not going to hesitate to put him in. And even if they do, you know, both those you know seniors do play, uh, Wilson's going to see a lot of playing time as kind of a, a key piece to that you know first wave of the O line rotation. Yeah, there was a lot of younger guys, not necessarily newcomers or freshmen, but a lot of younger guys across the board that didn't maybe see as much time as as I think a lot of us thought were going to and. Um, and Sean Becton said on Wednesday that, that some of that had to do with the fact that they got down to – they kind of dug themselves in the 14 hole. 14-0. Yeah, that got down 14 nothing. Yeah, that, that changes um, when and how you're going to put new guys out there or fresh faces out on the football field. So, uh, now, obviously, they, they dug out of that hole and, and uh, ended up you know going from down 14 to up by 8. But um, I think that this week we'll, we'll see some new faces, maybe see a few different rotations or, or see them maybe be a little bit more liberal with that. Now, two veteran guys, uh, I think we all would agree, didn't have necessarily their best moments in this game. J.D. Spielman at wide receiver and Stanley Morgan. J.D. Spielman dropped a third down and long.
long from Andrew Bunch on, I believe that was Bunch's second play coming in um, of the game and catches that ball. Nebraska probably wins the game. Then Stanley Morgan dropped a key touchdown right in his hands. Uh, I believe the final play, the third quarter, um, you know, we didn't hear from either player after the game. We didn't hear from either player during the week. Uh, they both have been pretty quiet since those moments in this game um, that arguably were as big as any of the blunders we saw. There were a lot of blunders, so you can't just point the finger at them. But those are two guys that need to kind of wake up a little bit and, and, and not have those moments, especially when you have now a, a younger guy like Andrew Bunch potentially starting as a walk-on sophomore. Yeah, I mean, those two guys are the highlights of your offense. I mean, those are arguably your two best players, not only on offense, but on the entire team. And for them to make those uh, or mistakes of those magnitudes uh, and that would have ultimately changed the course of the game, it's a big deal. And, you know, we asked Troy Walters about it following Wednesday's practice, and, you know, he said he's not worried about it. You know, he, those guys both responded the right way this week in practice. I um, mean, you know, we're obviously upset and frustrated uh, that they made those mistakes, but uh, they were doing the things necessary in practice to improve it. You know, they were working on you know, staying after, catching balls, uh, you know, just having a, a more attention to detail maybe uh, with just every rep they have in practice. And so, you know, as far as Walters is concerned, if they weren't that upset about it, then he'd probably be a little bit more concerned. But I think going forward, those guys – are your top two offensive players for a reason, and I think they're going to respond the right way. Well, and I wonder if you can chalk that up partly to that being the first game. You know, if they had Akron under their belts, do they end up catching those passes? Or, you know, I, I don't know. Or was it just a lapse in in, in focus or, or what? But those aren't typically the plays that you expect out of those two players. And so uh, I would be surprised if we continue to, to see that through the rest of the season. And no uh, Jerron Woodyard in this game, last game at least, no Andre Hunt. They just really played no, uh, that main group of four or five guys. Uh, Brian Reimer saw a few snaps, but Tyjon Lindsey and Spielman kind of split their reps. Mike Williams and Stanley, I think, almost played every snap of that game, according to Pro Football Focus. So a pretty light receiver rotation, um, so to speak. Um, I don't know the thought process there. If Woodyard is just that far behind or injured, because uh, we don't get that kind of inf information from the staff anymore, but um, was a little surprised that we saw so few guys play. Well, only three receivers caught passes in the game, and this was supposed to be, you know, this overly deep unit that they ran for over 300 yards on the yeah, ground. Yeah, and I think so. I think it was the style, the way the game went down, and the fact that they, you know, stuck with their veteran players and. I think that'll change as games go on as, you know, they start to get a little more trust in those new guys. But uh, back to Spielman and Morgan, you know, Morgan still caught five catches for 75 yards. Spielman still had a 57-yard touchdown. So it's not like they had terrible games, but those two mistakes definitely stick out. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk black shirts. Nebraska handed out seven of them. And as Travis Fisher said, we're not handing them out like candy. And uh, we'll give our thoughts on that and much more next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, you come in to be the defensive coordinator in Nebraska and all you think about is how awesome the black shirts are, but then it's time to really get to the nut cutting a little bit and you got to do it and that's hard. It's really hard and it's hard to, I had to talk to every kid that maybe didn't get one, that maybe you guys think deserved one, maybe the fans think deserved one, but they're not there every day in practice. They haven't been with us for six months and so we had to explain to those kids why they didn't get one this week. And yeah, I'm not passing them out like candy, man. So, I, I, you know, uh, what I liked about DiCaprio Boodle, I mean, kids, impressive parents, the kid got a touchdown over his head at the end of the game. But I'll probably take about nine out of ten DBs out of the, you know, mentally out of it. And he went on the sideline, grabbed the towel, was cheering for the offense. And and to me, that's a black shirt. What we're looking for in our guys, that's a black shirt. To me, that's why. And he also played. He played physical. 
You flew around, played 90 some snaps, didn't complain, played special teams, didn't complain. And that's what we, that's that, that's why he that's why I was one guy in the room that got it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was secondary coach Travis Fisher explaining why just one defensive back got a black shirt. That was cornerback DiCaprio Boodle. And then before that, you heard Eric Shenander just discussing the process as uh, Nebraska awarded two defensive linemen black shirts, McStoltenberg and Freedom Akamaladun, four linebackers, Tyron Ferguson, a first-time black shirt, Luke Gifford, um, and Dedrick Young have received black shirts before in their career. And then Muhammad Barry, I believe, earned his first black shirt. And then DiCaprio Boodle, the seventh. So uh, they went very conservative out of the gates. Um, they weren't going to hand out just a ton week one to kind of make everybody happy. They kind of marked their territory early. And, you know, it was interesting to hear Shenander say that, you know, some people – you know, the way they played in the game, they may have they may have played better than some of the guys that got a black shirt. And I don't know if he was talking about Freedom Akamaladun or certain other defensive linemen that didn't get any because you could argue Khalil Davis and Ben Stilley maybe had a better game than Freedom, uh, but Freedom got the black shirt and they did not. Um, and he said it has to do with the last six months as a whole, and that was a lot of their decision process, Robin, of what went into maybe deciding some of these black shirt decisions. Yeah, it definitely wasn't just an evaluation on how every guy played on Saturday. It was how you did in fall camp and practice. It was how you did in the week uh, leading up to practice, how you did in spring ball. It's how you did in summer conditioning and winter conditioning, how your academics were going. Are you missing classes? Were you late to meetings? It is a full accumulation of how you carry yourself on and off the field that went into this. And that's why, you know, freedom uh, – Mike Dawson, the defensive line coach, was asked specifically about those two D linemen. He said those guys got them because they have been our rocks on the defensive line all offseason. It had been so important in establishing the foundation uh, that we want in that unit. And so statistically, yeah, maybe they didn't have the best games, but uh, it goes well beyond that. And um, I think that speaks a lot to why there were four linebackers that got that that got black shirts. Uh, you know, obviously those guys all had pretty good games, but you know that was a group that emerged more than any maybe on the entire team from where they were at the start of spring practices to where they were going into that first game. And um, you know, Muhammad Barry played lights out. Uh, Luke Gifford had a great game. Dedrick Young, uh, I think he kind of fits that rock of the linebacker mold mentality. Uh, and you know, Tyron Ferguson, maybe one of the comeback stories of the off season. So uh, I think all those guys were extremely deserving not only because of how they played against Colorado but with how they've really taken to what this staff is trying to preach from the day they got here and really maximized it ever since well and this is a widely debated topic is you know the the black shirts are on one hand you, you have people that say well that that signifies a starter on defense if you're a starter on defense then you're you should be a black shirt well and then on the other hand a black shirt is more than just being a starter it's about everything that you do uh, leading up to Saturday it's everything that you do in the classroom and in, in the locker room and so on so on and so forth so um, I, I like the way that the staff has approached this I, I think that they have one chance to to really kind of set the standard here uh, and they're doing a good job of that so um, and and from all accounts the guys that didn't get black shirts are even more motivated to do so rather than being upset or mad about it I, I think those guys are, are grinding a little bit harder to get theirs and you, you kind of had to know that this staff was going to take kind of of a more get off my lawn mentality with handing these out they weren't going to just hand out one of the nickel the dime the co-starter at this position you and that a black guy shirt, you get a black shirt you know they, they were going to take more of an old school approach um and, and shenander hinted at that way back when um you know on, on how he wanted to hand these out and um you know he just said i want to see more consistency on and off the field and i think you know he said it could be being late to a meeting it could be 
um, just doing things not to that standard. And you know, the, you heard the DiCaprio Boodle story, and you know, he's a guy. You look at the grades from the game on Pro Football Focus. Um, his coverage grade was outstanding for Nebraska, and he broke up a pretty big play, gave up a big play as well um, on the game-winning touchdown. He was a guy that jumped out. Muhammad Berry, though, as far as overall grades, Rob, but he was the one when you break down kind of his numbers and marks from that game that, that was as impressive as any of the guys that got a black shirt. Well, he was one of the players who I personally thought was going to benefit uh, as much as anyone with this shift in defensive philosophy under Eric Shenan. Being more aggressive. Being more aggressive, attacking the football, utilizing athleticism, um, acting and not just reacting. Uh, and that played out exactly uh, on Saturday with 12 tackles, a team high, had tackle for loss and a quarterback hurry in that game. And you, know, you mentioned those pro football fo- focus grades. Uh, Barry got a grade of 79.5, which was the second highest on the entire defense and nearly 11 points higher than the next closest linebacker. Uh, which was Dedrick Young with a 68.7. So, uh, I mean, clearly, Muhammad Barry flourished uh, in his first real, uh, I guess, chance to showcase himself in this defense. And uh, I'm really excited about his potential going forward because I think he is just a perfect fit for what Janander and Barrett Rude want out of that inside linebacker position. Well, and Barry said in the, in the spring that this defense fits me perfectly because it allows me to be a playmaker. That's what he was in high school. He was a guy, whether he was playing safety or, or linebacker, he was a guy that was all over the field making tackles, sideline to sideline, you know, just getting after it and, and just being a football player. Uh, but last year and, and really since he's been at Nebraska, uh, that hasn't been the case. But now he's freed up and, and – uh, uh, Barrett Rude said that, that the one thing about Muhammad Barry is that he absolutely loves football. He loves uh, practice. He loves going to the training room. He loves the weight room. He wa- loves watching film. And so, and it, it, so when you love football that much and do all the things that are required, Saturdays are going to come easy, and, and that's what we saw this past week. i got a couple more pro football focus notes. As a far new as partner my, of Rivals.com. Yes, new Rivals partner, and uh, based off Barry's grades there, uh, he tied for the ninth best run defensive grade, the 19th best pass rushing grade, and the 36th best tackling grade of any linebacker in the country. So not only was he one of Nebraska's, if not Nebraska's best defensive player on the field, he was one of the best linebackers in all of college football in week three. And another guy that graded out well that only played a handful of snaps, I think he played almost 20 snaps, was Deontay Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. The other top three safeties, Trey Neal, Aaron Williams and Antonio Reed all played about 60 snaps each. You had Deontay Moore on that 20 number. Um, he was the, along with Muhammad Berry, the highest graded out guy. Yeah, he was the highest grade with 84.9. And his limited body of work, Travis Fisher told me, has earned him more snaps this week. So look for Deontay Williams, Nate, to take more snaps on Saturday. Well, yeah, Colorado went after him as soon as he got in the football game. Thinking he was kind of the yeah, fresh piece of meat out there. Exactly, and and he didn't flinch. I mean, he went out there and made plays. And, and so, um, and, and that's what you get with uh, with a junior college guy as talented as Deontay Williams, who has got some experience under his belt. He, he wasn't he's, he wasn't some true freshman rolling out there. He, he, I mean, he's – He's a dude that wants to eat. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and he's hungry, man. So he's going he's gonna to get fed a little bit more this week. Well, I think that's another part to only giving one defensive back a black shirt is that was a a lot of competition in that secondary, especially at safety. And, you know, Deontay Williams said when he saw DiCaprio come out to practice with that black jersey on, uh, he said, I'm going to be right there with you. And so uh, talk about incentive for an already 
tightly contested position group, I think things are going to kick up a few more notches now that one of those guys has a black shirt and nobody else does. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to the mailbag. Husker Online intern Ali Snow will be joining us here next as we'll take your questions on several topics here in the mailbag. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Hey, that's, but that's his job, you know. You know, as Coach Frost is, has said, you can't be a candy ass and play quarterback for the Cornhuskers, you know, and he had to get that done. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show. Thank you, Mario Verduzco, for that sound bite. As uh, Nebraska's always very colorful Mario Verduzco on Adrian Martinez making the tackle on the interception. That was a big moment at that time. Uh, because if Martinez doesn't make the tackle where that pick was thrown, there's a pretty good chance that ball's run back for a touchdown. So, uh, as Scott Frost said, you got to be tough to play quarterback for Nebraska. Well, it's time for the mailbag here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, pleased to welcome into the show Husker Online intern Allie Snow. Allie, welcome here to the mailbag. Hey, guys. So, the first question I have for you guys today is, how does Troy's defense match up to NU's offense? Do they have very much speed to stop our skill players? Yeah, you know, they're going to be an undersized type unit. They're not going to be as big as a Big Ten or an SEC type unit, uh, but they're going to disguise it. They're going to they're gonna have a lot of speed, though. And I think for Nebraska, it's going to be important to counter that speed with physicality. Don't try to make this necessarily a side-to-side game. Uh, run the ball right at Troy and use your physical strength to your advantage. Yeah, and keep in mind, Troy is one of those schools that basically has a bunch of SEC cast-offs, you know, guys that maybe weren't quite big enough or didn't make the grades or whatever it may be to play at an SEC level, but are talented enough to be recruited by them. Uh, and so, I mean, they're going to have dudes. They're going to have fast, athletic players, especially at linebacker and defensive back. Uh, but you said, Sean, you basically took the words right out of Troy Walter's mouth, is uh, the number one advantage Nebraska will have in this game is its size up front and so that offensive line is basically going to have to hitch the wagon on their backs and just let them trudge forward and dominate from the start to finish and I think this is a game Nebraska can wear Troy down and that physicality will ultimately be the biggest disadvantage uh, for the Trojans. Yeah not only do they have kind of the SEC rejects but a lot of them are are bounce backs guys that that kind of got processed out you know that are SEC caliber players but for whatever reason didn't work out at, at whatever school they signed out of so and, and transferred to Troy but uh, but you're right they, they're going to be an active defense because uh, they're going to have to take their chances and, and try to create some some plays on that side of the football but Nebraska's got the size advantage all right so the next one is regarding Adrian Martinez does anyone think he'll get any playing time this Saturday I just want to see what the feel is for his status from people in the know I just don't think so I think if anything if he did it would be an emergency number three situation and you, it was on Wednesday when Troy Walters and Mario Verduzco, they really wouldn't reveal their plan for number three um, in this game. I mean, we, we kind of assume it's going to be bunched with Masker number two. Well, what's the plan after that if it were to get to that? And, you know, I, I believe maybe Martinez could be suited up in an emergency role if they had to go that route because Cam Taylor has not taken any snaps at quarterback um, this week. So I don't know what their plan would be after that. I don't know, man. If Andrew Bunch comes out there and throws three picks and they're down by 17 at halftime, you don't think they'd put Martinez in to save the day or would they just 
They'd have to. You, I mean, That's what I'm saying. I mean, this, this is a must-win game for Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't care if it's Troy. Nebraska has to win this if game. They want to go to a bowl go game. Bowl. Yeah. Exactly. And so there's too much on the line to toy around with Matt Masker. No offense to Matt Masker, he's a true freshman walk-on, and they would have to completely dial back the game plan. And so if if Andrew Bunch struggles, I don't think that they hesitate to put Martinez in there. Yeah, this is a must-win game, especially with the Akron game off the schedule, and you're not knowing. You know, are they going to play? You know, be able to schedule someone for for that bye week, or is it going to be a December one game to to give you a full twelve or what? So, uh, I do think the only way you see them though is if there's yeah, if they have to they run into some serious problems uh, either injury wise or, or if Bunch is having a rough day. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with Husker Online intern Ali Snow. All right. So the next question we have is for the Huskers to make a bowl game this year. Which unit on defense must improve the most and why? Ooh, um, I think the secondary is the easy one right now. They, they need to get turnovers and capitalize on interceptions. We saw DiCaprio Boodle drop one in that game. Uh, Lamar Jackson was improved with his tackling, but I still think his coverage um, and, and, and just some of that stuff needs to improve. So I would say the secondary. I like the front seven, guys. I think the front seven is well on its way. Well, they had seven sacks and allowed 44 yards of rushing. So I think the front seven did pretty well. So I would say the secondary as well. Uh, they made some very good plays in one-on-one coverage. And that press man, which they didn't do any of last year. Uh, so guys were playing a whole different style of coverage in that in that back end. And I thought, for the most part, responded pretty well you know Deontay Williams made a great play in the end zone deflection Boodle made a great play where guys are actually turning finding the ball and making a play on the ball as opposed to just waiting for the receiver to catch it and then try to tackle him and so I think that there's there's progress being made in that secondary but I I think they still obviously have a ways to go even though the touchdowns that they gave up uh, they were in position. I mean, they, you, they were covered really well, actually. Yeah, just Colorado has a professional NFL quarterback exactly. and stud wide receiver. Three wide receivers are all Katie Nix. I would say Katie Nixon and McIntyre. Whereas, I mean, not just uh, Chenault. I mean, the, the other two guys were really, really mm-hmm. talented. But all right, Allie, what do you have next in the mailbag? So what's the biggest key to the victory versus Troy? And give your score predictions. Ooh, going score predictions already on us. You know, <laughs> I think the biggest key is his game management for Nebraska. Um, they, they need to manage this with Martinez, establish the line of scrimmage, limit turnovers, win the turnover battle. I mean, they, they, they got beat 3 nothing in that last week. As for a score, um, I think it will be a lower-scoring game maybe compared to what you'd think for this offense because of the situation they're in. Um, I'll take Nebraska like 34-21. I mean, something, something in that area. Yeah, I think turnovers is the clearly the number one thing. I mean, that's the, the stat Scott Frost says is the most important in all of football, and Nebraska got killed in it last week. So that absolutely has to be uh, significantly improved. Uh, but I think the second most important thing is being able to run the ball. Uh, that offensive line, being able to get a good push, uh, those running backs being able to make some plays once they get to the second level, uh, things that you know they, they didn't really do that well last week. And so if they're able to run the ball between the tackles effectively, that takes so much pressure off the quarterback and makes life so much easier for everyone else. Oh, a score prediction. Uh, I haven't really thought about it. I think Nebraska wins pretty convincingly. I think they win. I think it's They're mad. Like, They're hungry. I know. I, th- I think it's going to be one of those 38 to 13 type games. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Robin. I do think that, I mean, the running game is, is obviously the key, taking care of the football. 
um, and then creating turnovers on, on that side of the ball. I mean, the defense last week, they got the sacks, they got the tackles for loss, but they lack those turnovers. Uh, so I, I think we're going to see a defense that, that gets their hands on a few balls uh, and then runs the heck out of it on, on offense. I'm going 38-17 Nebraska. All right, Allie, we have time for maybe one more here. What do you have? Okay, we're going to do a fun one. What's your favorite sneaker? Is there a sneaker out there you really want? <laughs> Uh, I know what Nate's answer is going to be, but <laughs> I'm all three-stripe life. By the way, have you seen the new Adidas mural? Um, I was driving out of work here the other I day. I heard about that. And if you go down like the back way of the Haymarket on the building there, uh, I don't know what the street would be, but it's past Laszlo's up closer that way. There's a big red burns brighter Adidas. It's by the new market that opened Yeah, up the new market, there. yeah. yeah. Um, it's the eighth and in. It's kind of over by the eight eight in lofts or whatever. But they all went. They went in all area. in with this big mural on a wall. But I'm an Adidas guy now. Um, Rivals has a sponsorship with them, so you know they give me a lot of good deals on things. <laughs> but I, I do think they have a hell of a shoe, and um, I love my Alpha Bounces uh, for working out. I love the uh, Ultra Boost. Um, any give me about any pair of Ultra Boosts. I don't think I'm cool enough to rock the uh, Yeezys. Um, <laughs> Nate may, may think he is, but I don't. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I've I've been converted as well. Uh, I didn't know Adidas made a good shoe. This is basically just a giant ad for Adidas. <laughs> but uh, I got the uh, what is the Alpha Bounce on right now, and they are fantastic. I'm all Adidas. I've been for a while. Uh, Ultra Boost, NMDs. Uh, I mean, pretty much anything with, with boost in it uh, is, is something that I'll wear. Uh, I do have a pair of Yeezys. I have not worn them. You yet. got a pair? What? Got a pair. <laughs> How are we just now it. finding out about this? <laughs> I've got it. How much did you pay, or can you not say? Uh, I, I, don't, I got them for retail, 220 220 oh i thought they were 350 no the no. retail's 220 now on the on the secondary market they're like how'd you get them for retail i was you lucky got, enough you to gotta connect well, <laughs> well yeah so I, I got my hands on them for retail that's all we need to know and uh uh yeah so you and frost rolling your yeezys around like yeah, you know frost you know little swag <laughs> What you, what's yours, Allie? Well, I have on the tubulars right now, and they're pretty comfy, but I love my NMDs. I'm, I used to be a Nike girl, but then the what's three-stripe NMD? NMDs, yep, those what, are pretty comfy. What's that stand for? Oh, Do we know? I have no okay. clue. I have no clue. But no, three-stripe life for me. So She's actually wearing an Adidas hat. All right. I, as am, we're doing this right I now. am. We better <laughs> get some free We're Adidas so branded swag. right now. It's <laughs> crazy. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to close the show. Thanks, Allie. We're going to close the show with some recruiting and Nate Klaus. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We have to produce some turnovers anytime you get to the quarterback seven times. And we probably missed two more sacks that were that were easy ones. Anytime you get to the quarterback like that, you need to get some turnovers out of the deal. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Final segment of the show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. We're going to talk some recruiting in Nada. Not a lot for this week. It's going to be an 11 a.m. kick, as we know. Um, in Nebraska, you know, just traditionally, it's very, very rare to have a lot of guys in. It's going to be a lot of in-states and unofficials. Uh, but it'll be a big walk-on day, more more or less local targets they want to really try to zone in on. Yeah, I mean, any, anytime you've got an 11 a.m. kickoff, it's so hard to get uh, an, an official visitor that requires an, an airplane ride into Lincoln or Omaha, uh, you know, inside Memorial Stadium. If they play kickoff. Friday. Now, yeah. if they play Thursday, it, well, yeah, it's As no long as they, if they're playing Friday night. Um, yeah, the, the only way that they're going to have any official visitors uh, this weekend is if somebody's got, no, got a bye 
or you know, or they have a Thursday night game. Otherwise, it's just so difficult um, that uh, you know, as of today, they don't have any anything scheduled. Uh, but it will be a good weekend still to to have a lot of your your in-state targets uh, on campus once again. Most most of whom are are walk-on targets, uh, so you can kind of love those guys up a little bit. I'm anticipating, you know, a handful of guys from Iowa, Kansas, Missouri being able to to make their way into Lincoln as well. But, um, yeah, it's, as far as your your big official visitor weekend that we've kind of seen the past two weeks, that, that's not going to happen for Troy. I mean, Nate, really this weekend to me, it's a get-right weekend. Nebraska just needs to kind of win, get right, and get confidence as a program going out on the road the following week against Michigan, maybe one of the best defenses they'll face all season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, um, you know, it's not a necessarily a bad thing that they're not going to have a, a monster recruiting weekend. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably not going to be all that flashy of a game. Uh, the, as we all know, the atmosphere inside Memorial Stadium is, is always good, but it's not anywhere near what it is uh, for, a, for a 7 p.m. kick as it is for, for an 11 a.m. This is the game you bring, like, your, your kid to their first Husker exactly. game to. Exactly. 11 a.m., it's easier to get tickets, et cetera. But as far as last week, Nate, it was a great weekend. Um, Nebraska lost the game, but still eight official visitors in town um, four of them targets, four of them already commits. Then you had a lot of other commits in town. Let's first start with Chris Hickman. Omaha Burke tight end was in town. Continues to trend the, the Huskers' way. I mean, Chris obviously doesn't say a lot, doesn't return calls, text, interviews very often, but just the inside info we've been receiving, um, it, it looks pretty promising right now for Nebraska. Yeah, really, this thing has been trending Nebraska's way ever since he took an unofficial visit to Lincoln uh, the first or second day of fall camp. And, and was he was able to spend the entire day in Lincoln uh, basically one-on-one with the coaches and one-on-one with a handful of players. Uh, and I think that's when the Huskers really jumped in front uh, you know, of the Oregons and LSUs and uh, Iowa's, Minnesota's, whatever. So, uh, and, and really, I think this past weekend, by all accounts, he, he had a great time. And I think the Huskers, you know, even kind of um, solidified themselves as the team to beat. Um, you know, he's not a big fan of the recruiting process. Like you said, he doesn't like to do all the interviews, doesn't necessarily like being in the spotlight. I think for the most part, he, he'd rather he'd rather be either playing football or, or fishing somewhere. You know, that, that's kind of the mentality that, that he has. Um, and, and so I wouldn't be surprised if he went ahead and, and kind of ended the recruiting process or, you know, sooner so, rather than later, sooner, sooner rather than later, uh, because, you know, he has talked about taking all these other official visits. But I just I just get the feeling that that if if he knows Nebraska is where he wants to be, that he's not going to go through all the hoopla to, to just take get those visits to take him. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we run through the visitors that were in last weekend. Another one, Nate Marcus Washington from St. Louis, a four star wide receiver. Kind of a hard guy to get a read on, kind of how the weekend went for him. Yeah, well, the visit went well. Uh, the the hard thing to get a read on is exactly where Nebraska sits. You know, are, are they a legit contender for Marcus Washington? You know, he's a Rivals 250 wide receiver. Uh, so not only one of the, obviously, one of the top wide receivers in the country, but one of the top overall football players in the country. Now, the big thing for me is that he's from St. Louis, which is an area where Nebraska has been trying to, and trying to get into uh, and kind of establish a connection. So uh, just getting him on 
on campus to me was a big deal because he's a high profile guy from St. Louis. He's going to go back home and, and tell his friends who are other high profile football players and, and his teammates and so on and so forth what it was like. And, and I, I will say that he was impressed by what he experienced in Lincoln. He, he's been here before. He was at Nebraska's Friday Night Lights a couple years ago. Uh, but to experience a game day in, in Lincoln, in, inside Memorial Stadium, to, to kind of be able to go out with, with your, your player host and experience, get a feel for what the town is like, you know, what kind of college atmosphere it is, um, he, he, he loved it. Um, and, and so I'm not sure if it's going to be enough for Nebraska to land him, but I do think we could see some residual effects, you know, in terms of getting more St. Louis guys to, to check it out for themselves down the road. Nate, another guy that was here was Javen Wright, a legacy of Toby Wright, um, and he hurt his knee in the game on Friday so there was a fear that he wasn't going to be able to make it because of the major injury he suffered but crutches and all he got into Lincoln was here this is a guy that you got to think Nebraska has a pretty good chance to land yeah I do I, I like Nebraska's chances I, in fact I'd be shocked if if he didn't end up uh, as a as a Husker um, and what an impressive kid. I mean, he's, he's legit 6'2 and a half, 6'3, 185, 190-pound kid, really long-armed player, uh, and, and could project as a corner safety or maybe even grow into an outside linebacker. He's physical like his dad was. Who, and his dad, by the way, looks like he could still suit up. Holy cow. Toby, a lot of those guys yeah, in that era, dude. To, Toby Wright is, is a specimen. I mean, it looked like he was about ready to, to run out there and play against Colorado. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, the visit went extremely well. Um, uh, unfortunately, like you said, he was on crutches. That kind of limited him a little bit. He'll be taking an official visit to UCLA uh, and then one to Washington uh, on December 3rd, I, I believe, that weekend, or right at the beginning of December, then making a decision. But I, I do think Nebraska is the team to beat. And then Jamel Starks was here, a three-star of defensive back out of Georgia. Now, Nebraska, to me, is clearly his most high-profile offer. He has 34 offers on his profile listed here on Rivals, but – you know, when you look at just that high upper tier power five offer, you know, West Virginia is one of the teams that's offered him. He's got a Central Florida offer, Nebraska, Minnesota. He's just one of those kids that's in a part of the country that he's going to get a lot of offers. Colorado, number one, is this a guy Nebraska would take right now if he wanted to commit? And number two, uh, how did the visit go? Yeah, well, number one, they would absolutely take Jamel Starks. I mean, he is he is one heck of a football player. Um, and honestly, he, he could project to anywhere on the football field. He, he's making plays as a senior, as a wide receiver, uh, as a corner, safety, as a punt returner, kick returner. Um, I mean, every week uh, his highlight reel is ridiculous right now. So Nebraska loves Jamel Starks. They, they think he's a big-time player. Um, and, and you're right, he, he's got a ton of offers, but only you know out of the 34 offers that he's got, there, there's only about 9 or 10 that are Power 5 offers. But uh, I think that he could be one of those sneaky gets out of a place like Georgia that is just so deep with with it's talent. so poppy you can't get them all you yeah. can't, and, and sometimes these states Nate with deep talent this same type of guy in Nebraska would be ranked a lot higher let's put it into perspective he is ranked I believe the the 104th best player in the state of Georgia and he has 34 scholarship offers to his name by the way what we how many guys do we rank in Georgia now I think up to 150 holy I mean that, that's crazy but well they, we, they, the whole state they signed like 280 or 300 kids to D1 football last year. Yeah, we um, used to kind of stop it at 100. So now uh, I see 126 right now ranked in Georgia. So they, they stopped it at 126. But, yeah, when you have that many Power 5 guys, I'm going down the list right now in the hundreds. 
And, you know, guys that are 123, 125, they're power five commits right now. Absolutely. They've got over 40 four-star players in in the state. I mean, it's just – And the state of Nebraska has five power five 2019s. Yeah. Put that in perspective. So, a whole different level of recruiting down south. It's no surprise Kirby Smart has had a lot of success at Georgia immediately down there. But it's going to be interesting. Um, You had other guys in town briefly, Nate. Luke McCaffrey – uh, I know we're up against the clock here, but how, how has he done? He was on his visit, but his first few weeks as a starting quarterback, how has he looked? Yeah, he's looked very good. He's been extremely efficient passing the football. Um, you know, two weeks ago, I, I think he completed like 87% of his passes. Uh, wasn't quite as sharp this past week, but overall, I think he's right around 60% uh, passing. Uh, has scored a couple uh, long touchdown runs. I, I think they've been fairly conservative with him over the past few weeks uh, and really haven't turned him loose uh, completely. But, uh, but let me mention that this past weekend was big for him because he was able to get uh, everything ironed out to be an early enrollee. So, uh, so he will be on campus uh, to go through spring football, which which you know gives them another, another body. arm. Yeah, another arm in, in that quarterback room uh, that that we all know is kind of thin right now. Well, Nebraska Troy, eleven o'clock. We'll have you covered on HuskerOnline.com. So make sure you log on and check out all of our coverage uh, leading up and after the game here on Saturday. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.